0: Okay, so today's topic is going to be the word tzitzis. We, we got to ve'asulahem tzitzis, and we talked about it more as a phrase last week. And we talked about, um, Judy, I know you weren't here last week, but we did cover this in the Shabbos year, to a great extent. We built on this topic, which was the idea of a transition that can be exemplified as the transition from Purim to Pesa. It's about... The difference between the avoda of the night and the avoda of the day, where Purim is an example of avoda in the night and Pesach is an example of avoda in the day. Um, And with Sitsis, there was an aspect of avoda in the night. So things that were associated with avoda in the night included, and I really, I'm hoping to actually just type this up, type up this table and make it a handout, but it's not ready for this time. Um, the Avodah of the night, or rather, as Rabbi Eisman calls it, the freedom of the night, is night, Adar, Purim, Hester Panim. Right? We said sometimes the deepest chesed is the most hidden. Um, building strength, focusing on who we are, although possibly not what I'm supposed to do, Right? in the same way that at night is a time to build our strength for the coming day. Uh, finding our roots in the neshama, the shame, the ratzah, on the Torah, seeking to reveal those roots. emuna balelos, faith in the night, letting God run the world, trust. It's associated with the stage of redemption that is Gitla, as opposed to when you get to the second column, which is Yitzia, actual going out. This is the redemption, which is still at night on Pesach, and they're still in Egypt. And yet they are redeemed. It's felt and seen mostly within ourselves. And it may be slow and take a very long time. It's a natural process. Associated also with the word Ra, with the Avodah of the Sahara, right? All of these ideas together. The next column, which is Nisan, which is day, the freedom of the day, Pesach, Gilui Kvodo, revelation of God's Kavod and Shrina, Doing, accomplishing, doing mitzvos, a focus on what I am supposed to do, fueled by the energy that was accumulated in the night. Mitzvos says, to be revealing God in the world. To relate, right, Haggadah, to relate God's uh, kindness in the morning. Yetziyah, the actual leaving. Uh, it can be seen externally and experienced outside of ourselves as well. It's not only internal. It's associated with Achishana, the quick. It can be quick, instantaneous, even above time. So Matzah, right? Is, is that, we'll talk about that more probably on Shabbos years. And Tov. And together, of course, the night and the day form a whole day, and that's coal. That's that's Tov Me'od. That's a whole day. That's a whole process, and that was associated with you shall remember the day of your leaving of, from Mitzrayim, all the days of your life. Okay, so that's what we talked about last time. And today we're going to talk about the word sitzis, but it will tie back also to some of the things we spoke about before. <coughs> so what does the word sitzis mean? If you're going to say, speak to the Jewish people, and they're going to make tzitzis. Well, what is it? So, of course, the way that we know what a word means is we see how it's used in other places. Okay, so one definition is based on a verse in Yechezkel, where it says, and he took me by the tzitzis of my head. Now, that is obviously not Strings on your head. I mean, it is strings on your head, but the strings on your head are your hair. So it's like locks of hair. Okay, this is actually a basic definition. I don't know that it means dreadlocks, just locks, which would look like tzitzis, I suppose. Locks of hair. That's one f- basic meaning of tzitzis. Another meaning of tzitzis is like the word lehatsits. Which is to peek. Um, that is based, for example, on a pasuk in Shir Hashirim, which I don't have in front of me, but it's Hine uh, Dodi Omeid Achar Koslenu, My beloved is standing behind the wall. Meitzit Harakim, peering or peeking. Good morning. Thank you. Peering or peeking between the, Is that long enough? Between the cracks supervising from the windows or from the open spaces. Okay, so yet as in you're supposed to peek at them, they should peek out from your clothes and you peek at them, and in this way you remember the mitzvos. Sorry. Okay. Rav Hirsch, of course, takes a well, okay, let me quote first the Gemara and Menachos The Gemara Menachos kind of pulls it together as, Ein tzitzis ela yotze. Tzitzis always signifies something coming out from somewhere. So in the same way that peeking or peering, right, is sort of a view of something that's through a little hole. So it's coming through to the other side, to some other zone. Or hair is in the head and it comes out to this other side of your, of the body, the outside. So tzitzis means something that comes out from something else. OK, so Rav Hirsch really, as, as we have come to expect of him, we rely on this, uh, he, he pulls together all the different ideas of the words, all the different. So far, we've had two, really, or possibly a third, um, to understand what is the core concept. So he says tzitzis is from the word tzitz. Tzutz is a movement pressing outwards from the inside, which is more or less what, what the Gemara Menachos said, right? But he, he kind of fine-tunes it for our language, which would be, you know, Hebrew or German, uh, English or German, right, <laughs> to be able to hear. That's the movement pressing outwards from inside. So a tzitz is a sprout or blossoming. So tzitzis describes sprouting, blossoming from the stems and branches of plants. It's just shoot or a blossom. On an animal, tzitzis is like either wings or curls, meaning that which blossoms out or pushes out from the inside of the animal. That's why with the hair. So it sounds like he's saying with the tzitzis of the hair, it doesn't just mean hair. It means locks or curls, like whole clusters of hair. And the tzitz, which is, you actually the word tzitz might sound familiar, it's a sort of a band that the Kohen Gadot wears on his forehead. It says Kodesh Lashem. It's one of the eight garments of the high priest. So the, the tzitz on his forehead, he says, that's also because it's something that's projecting. Like it's something from the, it's inside the head and now it's projecting outward from the head. So more or less sprouting outward. He says that's why it's described as Al Kanfe Vigdehem and not Al Vigdehem. He says the tzitzis are described that you should va'asulahan tzitzis al vigdehem, you shall make for them sprouts, <laughs> right? Al Vigdehem on the corners or the wings of their garments. Why doesn't it just say make the tzitzis on the garments. Why? On the corners or wings of the garments. He says, that's why. Because they sprout forth from the garments. So the garment ends, and that's more or less where the tzitzis begins. Because the whole idea of tzitzis is that it comes out, stretches out, sprouts forth from just within to the outside. That's the idea of it, flowing down and out from the corners. Okay. Now what I want to do is tie together the idea of the tzitzis, the message of the tzitzis, and see how specifically, because so far when we, when we talked about the idea of the freedom of the night versus the freedom of the day, it essentially wasn't tied to the mitzvah of tzitzis other than the timing of the mitzvah of the tzitzis. Right? It was about, you know, do you wear tzitzis at night, do you not wear tzitzis at night, and yet you talk about tzitzis at night, um, if we read, I'm going to read some selections from Rav Hirsch's description of the meaning of the mitzvah of tzitzis, uh, or at least what we're supposed to think about the avodah of tzitzis, and I think that on the background of the, the freedom of the night and the freedom of the day, um, it will help us to understand, first of all, what tzitzis has to do with that, and second of all, how it fits in with Shema in this place in the third paragraph of Shema, this whole idea of the avoda in the night. So I'm not going to read the entire thing, but some selections. All right, tzitzis. This is, I, these selections are from Chorev. We have seen that if we allow ourselves to be guided only by what we understand through our mental faculties, it's like what you were saying, right? The idea that It has to be something i understand what do i understand that's what i'll do right that's if we will go that way or only by the material things which we see with the eye if we limit ourselves to that which we either can see for ourselves or understand ourselves then we shall easily be led to a denial of god both will lead us to idol worship and he gives different in two different directions In the physical world that we see around us, God does not appear to us as a visible being, nor are our senses today witness to the factual revelation that took place in the past. Okay, already you can hear. So this, what we're talking about over here is the Avoda of the night, the service of God of the night, the process of the night, the freedom of the night. Because we are living in a time where God is not visible to us, at least not in an obvious way doesn't mean we can't see him indirectly through his actions and interactions. Furthermore, in the material world in which we live, the desires of our animal passions find a favorable means which aid and abet them, and not the principles which should regulate them and circumscribe them and sanctify them to the glory of man. So whereas if you look into the, when you look into the physical world, what you see are opportunities to feel good, What you don't see, at least not straight out, you can, again, indirectly learn the lessons by watching what happens to somebody who just follows their passions and their lusts and their body. But you can't see just by looking at the promise of a pleasure, looking at something sweet, looking at something that will feel good, what you don't see in it is the principles that would show you how to regulate that. Again, you could delve more deeply, just like you could delve more deeply into seeing God in the world, but it's indirect. And so it is that without Torah, you regard any inner urge calling you to something higher as foolish and fanciful. You say, well, maybe I'm just making that up. Maybe it's not real because it's just a feeling inside of me. And you place yourself on a level with an animal and a plant. With the result that you soon deify yourself, and those people are things that ladle out to you the pleasures which you court and which enable you to acquire what you've been straining after. You, be, you come to treat yourself as the God who deserves whatever he wants or she wants. And you also come to worship the people or things that you think will bring you the pleasures that you think you deserve and should come to you. So you flatter and, you, right, that's who you admire. But God does not wish you to follow the course prompted by your heart or your eye. And so he has given you a means whereby in the present visible world, you will have a visible reminder of God, who is himself invisible. A present reminder of his law given in the past. So. I just want to stop a minute, even though he will repeat this concept. What he's saying is that we live now in a dark time. We can't see the whole picture. We're in this physical, tangible world. We want to have... God, God gives us... The visual here is the strings of tzitzis, which reach in to this world where we can see them and remind us of that which we cannot see. They reach beyond their plane, right? That's the whole thing of tzitzis. They push out from where they are inside to somewhere out where you can see them. That's what tzitzis do. This is awesome, what he's saying. And as we, (laughs) I'm doing a little bit the opposite. I mean, we did do quite a bit of groundwork before we got to this rehearsal. But at the same time, I'm also going to bring some of the Gemara-based things afterward. (laughs) Because normally, I would do it the other way around so that you understand where he's coming from here. What he does is he explains so that all of a sudden you see these Gemaras and you realize, yeah, that's what they were trying to tell you, right? I mean, isn't that what the Gemara in Menachos said? What is tzitz, if not that which comes out, right? But you know. It all sounds really good. And when we're here, I, I get very inspired. Mm-hmm. But when I look at it's they really look sloppy. They don't look like a visual reminder of Hashem to me. Yeah, it's a good thing you're not the one who's supposed to look at them and remember that. <laughs> it depends how you wear them. It depends how you wear them. this often look sloppy, especially because in order to leave them out, sometimes people don't know how to tuck themselves in. So if you don't know how to tuck yourself in properly with just the tsitsits out, then it looks messy but I definitely know people who wear tzitzes and it looks very, very neat. You've probably seen that too. It just doesn't catch your eye as much as when it looks so messy. Because when it looks messy, you know, we're trained as mothers, like the kids run around and their shirts are all over the place and it looks sloppy and it makes them look like they're not put together and it makes, they make us look like we're not put together because they're, you know, we just put them in overalls as long as we can prevent that from happening or something that snaps at the bottom, right? And then, you know, so we're always catching them and tucking them in. And then all of a sudden you look at somebody and they're not tucked in and the first thing is to think, oh, that's got to be fixed. But the truth is, I see a lot of men walking around and they look very, very, very put together and neat. And they have tzitzis. So there's different ways. I know people who take the tzitzis and it comes out of their shirt. You don't see the edge of the shirt. The shirt is tucked in, the tzitzis are coming out, and then they go into the pockets. So you see the tzitzis, but you don't see anything hanging loose. I mean, there's all different ways of wearing tzitzis. That's just uh, mostly is a matter of personal choice at some, at some level once they're out. Okay, so he also indicated here reverse. One thing had to do with the visible versus the invisible world, right? They're bringing into the visible world something we can see and look at. <clears throat> Another aspect of visible-invisible over here was past versus present. Meaning that there's something, (coughs) there's revelation of Hashem that's in the past. And it's, the reason we can't see it now is because it's not a continuous revelation. But the tzitzis, in reminding us of the mitzvos, is a way of drawing not only from a sort of right now invisible world, but also invisible as in its past. But we can bring it forward into the now which is kind of that idea of uzachartem, you shall remember something that's in your mind, but you bring it to the front of your mind. Right? So sits, does that from that which is invisible to that which is visible, a present reminder of his law given in the past. It will also remind you that the animal within you strives only to find gratification in things visible and material, and that therefore your relationship with him who is invisible, your election by him who is invisible, and the word of the invisible revealed in the past have imposed upon you a higher obligation. In short, it is a means which directs your attention from the visible to the invisible and brings the past palpably before you into the present. And this means is tzitzis. It is called tzitzis from a root meaning to appear in visible form. To push out, right? It was there, but now it appears visibly. Okay, so... We start to understand here already, against the backdrop of talking about freedom of the night and freedom of the day, you start to see where tzitzis plays a very active, uh, functional role in the process. It's also significant that the tzitzis have to be entwined in the corners of the garment. Right? It's not just that we wear tzitzis somehow, like, I don't know, like a belt of tzitzis or something. The tzitzis are part of a garment. They attach to a garment. And I don't know if he says it here, but he says it elsewhere. It's a four-cornered garment. It's like the Maharal will say, four. The four corners always, it's like the four corners of the earth kind of language, right? In other words, it means the described area. So that would be like the visible world versus the invisible world. And why the garment? Because when a sensitive eye and a sensitive heart of man wander out into the visible world and are then thrown back upon themselves, which is kind of the way he seems to always say, like when you then contemplate something internally, they find the human garment, the first visible characteristic distinguishing man from beast, reminding man of his superiority over brutishness and making him aware of the existence of the invisible one and his word right we started by saying that the urges on the outside what is it that you see in the physical world what you see is the animal and what you see is the plant right these two areas of life that are out there if you then look back upon yourself the first thing about yourself that you'll see is clothing if you look in a mirror the first thing or when you see a different person the first thing you'll notice is their clothes and that distinguishes them from the animals, and reminds a person that there's something different that is expected of him than of an animal. What is that? Well, if those garments have something reaching beyond them, then that's, well, even if they don't, it's awareness of the existence of an invisible one and his word. The fact that people wear clothes is a reminder that there is a God and he has words, meaning he commands us because the reason we wear clothes is only because we violated God's word. People did not wear clothing originally, right? That we ate from the tree, and then we needed clothing. So the very fact that when we see a person, we right away see their clothing is meant to be, ah, this is a human. This is not an animal. This is a human who is is, uh, aware and bounded by a god and God's word. And this recalls to him vividly God, human dignity, and the mission of Israel. The tzitzis will help you raise yourself above the world, envisaged by the senses, and to dedicate the senses to the service of God, who is beyond conception and invisible. It's not that you're supposed to conquer your senses. It's that you're supposed to recruit them, right? Don't go following after your eyes and your heart. That doesn't mean turn them off. It just means don't follow them. You've got to be the leader, not the follower, when it comes to your emotions and your actions. God set you into the visible world as a reminder of himself through your fulfillment of his word. That's a loaded phrase. It wasn't even the whole sentence, <laughs> right? God put us into the visible world. That's the world of Asiya To serve ourselves, our lives are to be reminders of Hashem into the world. We, <laughs> we're, we are tzitzis into the world, so to speak. Because when you look at a human, even a malach can be that when they look at a human, They see a physical reminder of the fact that there is an invisible God. This is our extension into the world. This is why, by the way, this this is not why, by the way, I have a theory which I have not fully been able to prove. So it's purely speculative and it's just me speaking. But based on this and based on what Rev Hirsch said earlier about um, the role of men and women after the sin, the itzavon, the the need to to work and toil in a way that can be painful or frustrating in order to achieve that which is valuable and meaningful, as opposed to just being able to reach out and grab it, which is a result of the sin and the ingestion of yezehara. So he talk, He says over there, what, what is it like? It says with both of them, Hashem says the word like itzavon that you'll have that result. But with the woman, it's harbe arbeitzvonek. It will be your itzavon and it will be greater in some way. And what's greater about it is what? That with difficulty you will bear and raise children. And he talks about how that's because her her own self, her own body, has to be used and dedicated into the continuing ongoing um, development of mankind. Now, on the one hand, that's, that's a very great thing. And Adam himself takes comfort in the fact that even though he's going to die, mankind as a whole will become immortal because the woman will have the children. So on the one hand, it's a deeper role in immortality. But on the other hand, it's much more difficult because your body itself has to then be devoted to the cause. Right? So there, there is a parallel to the role of tzitzis in childbearing which is there's yourself, right, and then there's this coming out into another plane where you actually develop a child within you and they're part of you, and then they move out into another plane, and all of a sudden you have an externalized and visible image that's really drawn back and throws back a memory to what came before. Okay, so there is this, this sense in which, on the one hand, we both have a chiyovan clothing, and we both have, you know, and the role that the tsnius plays for a woman is very much the role of tzitzis for a man, even though men also have to wear clothing. They have <laughs> But in, in a general sense, the correlation, if going everything we're going to say about tzitzis, you would say is true for women in their clothing in general. It doesn't require the tzitzis going out. But it's possible that one reason of that is that because women in our own bodies reach out beyond ourselves. And that's something men don't do. Okay. The essence of the injunction about Sitsis is, in accordance with God's command, to make fringes on all four sides of a four-cornered garment in the corners thereof. Is this still horrible? Yeah. On garments, because the essential purpose of the garment is covering up the animal elements in man's body, leaving, maybe, only (laughs) when you Xerox with the post-it notes they cover up, even though they're see-through, <laughs> leaving only those limbs bare which are primarily organs of human activity, namely the face and the hands. We talked about this not so long ago, I think. Tzitzis are thus uh, affirmation of man's God-given mission, so that man's superior over, superiority over the beast does not appear to him as a man-made institution created of his own free will, but God gave God Himself gave the first man the first garment and taught him to conceal the animal part of himself as a protection against his brutalization. The key factor over here is it's not that we have to wear clothes because we deviated. Because of the sin. It's not a punishment. Wearing clothes is not a punishment. Wearing clothes is necessary because with a Yetzir Hara inside of ourself, we require an even greater reminder and protection not to be animalistic. But it's not a punishment, it's an aid it's a crutch it's an assist because we are now under a more difficult we're much more likely to become animalized the sitis must be on all four sides reminiscent of the directions of the world and your own directions in the world so that when you he's saying it's relative to where you're standing at all times when you look at sitis the four directions it's your world it's not just the world in general So when you glance to the east or the west, the south or the north, you have in mind God's law. The purpose is to remind the eye, which perceives that which is present and visible, that those things which are invisible and past, and which exist beyond the ken of what is visible and present, also have reality. To achieve this more completely, there should be in the tzitzis, according to the injunction of the Torah, threads of t'cheles wool, which remind us in color and in name of the invisible." And he he gives some explanation of why that's so. I just want to make a a note here, sorry. In name, which we'll get to more when we talk about t'cheles, but t'cheles, the root of the word t'cheles is like tachlis like the end the end goal, the objective. So in other words, when you look at the tzitzis, you're supposed to see tzitzel. It's supposed to remind you of the long, the long objective. In the same way that when you're working on a project, sometimes if you work on it for a long, long time, like building a house or raising kids or you know, a certain project, you want to learn some new skill, learning Hebrew or some new piece, right? You want to remind yourself always of the long-term objective because you can't see it. It's not always visible from where you're standing. It means the end or the limit. We lack material today for the tzichelis color. Okay. Okay, I think this we're going to... We'll come back to. He says, God gave you tzitzis as the means for a lesson, but he left the use of it to your own free will. Right? We spent some time on this idea. Hmm. The idea that, you know, tzitzis... It's not that tzitzis are optional, but the begin is optional, <laughs> right? He pledged you, when you wear a garment with four corners, to provide it with tzitzis, but left it to you whether or not you wish to wear such a garment, probably so that you should first feel the need for it yourself, and so grasp the means with all the more joy. Does that sound familiar? We talked about that idea on Shabbos. Right? The idea that when you have a question and then you get an answer, the answer has much more power and impact than when you just learned something and you didn't have the question at all. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, that quote, he's quoting there. That's a quote. That was the Pachat Yitzchak quoting the Maharal on questions and answers, okay? You should first feel the need for it and so grasp the means with all the more joy, rendering it more meaningful to you at all times. What that means is that for a person to really love and appreciate tzitzis or tzinius, <laughs> right, it all applies across, the person has to feel that they want very much help in controlling their animalistic nature. It it, it comes from the person realizing that they have a need, realizing they have a problem, and saying, what on earth can I do to get control over this? And then Hashem comes and, and says, look, here's tzitzis. It is more meaningful to you at all times. Who would not rejoice that the precept itself was given to him as a cogent help? who, conscious of the battle with sensuality and his own sensual nature, would not grasp the staff which stands by him in the battle and directs his glance upwards and upholds God and virtue for him. But it only comes if you see it that way, right? When a woman dresses in a neistic way, because everyone says you have to do it, that's beautiful. But when a woman looks out and she sees the way people sometimes look at women, And she says, I don't want to be involved with that. I don't want a part of that. I don't want to have to deal with how I react to someone looking at me that way. What can I do? Oh, here's what I could do. And all of a sudden, I'm so grateful for the help that was extended to me. Well would it be for us if custom permitted us? She's saying it doesn't. (laughs) At least not for, for Jews in Germany at that time if custom permitted us to wear in the whole of our daily life an upper garment in which tzitzes became obligatory. He says, we wear a talus on the outside and we wear a titsis underneath with only the tzitzes sticking out. He said, but wouldn't we dance with joy if we suddenly came into a cultural environment in which it was appropriate way of dressing to put the titsis on top? Where we could really see it all the time, the whole thing, garment and tzitzes? He's saying, you have to turn around in our mind. Like, we think we want to hide it, and how much can we hide it? Now, he's not saying that a person should wear his tzitzis on top. He's saying, no, 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 we can't do that. He's saying, but, but we should be thinking about it in the opposite, that I want to reveal as much of my tzitzis as I can to myself. not that I'm trying to hide them from anybody. For probably, it's more than that. I say, well, it's fine when I'm inside the house, but when I go out and I want to look respectable, right? He says, probably nowhere do we need the lesson of tzitzis more than exactly in our working life, when things sensual are around us. The milieu of our activities is the gross, earthy world. The aim of our strivings is prompted by a concern for things sensual in nature. We're out there working because we need the money to eat. And to buy clothes, like we're working for something tangible and, and, and materialistic. And that's okay, but isn't that exactly when we need the tzitzis? Let alone that we're outside of the environment that we have so much control over, like in the house, where you have your mezuzah. Just as for other reasons, tefillin, instead of being an accompaniment for the whole day, are now limited to the time of divine service, right? Tefillin, really, people used to wear them all day. Nowadays, it's pretty rare. It's very rare. So also tzitzis remained in its full significance upon the upper garment only during divine service, meaning a talus, as a permanent accompaniment only on the undergarment. Who, after having pondered the significance of tzitzis, cannot apprehend the meaning of the pronouncement of our sages? He who observes the duty of tzitzis well will reach to behold the face of the omnipresent God, will be Makabel Pnei hashrina. Wearing tzitzis is one of the categories of people who will be mekabel pnei hashchina. Okay. We're gonna go on. On beyond zebra. Okay. Another aspect here. About the night. Sitzis as specifically being helpful to us in this avoda of the night, when things are not revealed. The word tzitzis we said could be related to the Pasuk meitzis min harakim, Hashem is peeking or peering through the cracks at us my beloved is peeking through, versus mashkiach min halonos, supervising or watching through the windows. And I heard Rabbi Tatz quoting, I believe Rav Simcha Wasserman, I'm not absolutely certain of that says, what's he said, so what's the difference between peeking through a crack and watching through a window? If you've ever gone to Simchus Pesach, you may have asked yourself this question. <laughs> the, re- the difference is, when someone is meitzitz through a crack, you can't see that they're watching you. When they watch you through the window, you can see that they're watching you. In other words, the difference is not how much they see you. The difference is how much the one who's being watched can perceive that they're being seen. And in fact, the Rabbeinu Bachia says, the Medrash says, they sh- you sh- they shall make for themselves tzitzis. Tzitzis is a language of looking or peering, like meitzis min hacharakim, peering through the cracks. The haloveish tzitzis, one wearing tzitzis tzarek, she'ezahir min haveros, it should Cause him to be much more careful about sinning, roehu, <laughs> because when we say that the tzitzis reminds us of the sea, the trellis color reminds us of the ocean, and the ocean reminds us of the sky, and the sky reminds us of the ha hakavod, it's like walking up to a crack and realizing that God is actually the kiseh hakavod actually has a line of sight on you, <laughs> right? Just that you didn't see it; it was invisible to us. And the tzitzis reminds us to follow the string back. Okay. The Chafetz Chaim points out that it says about the tzitzis that you see them and you'll remember all the mitzvahs of Hashem so that you can do them. He says, that's very nice if you know what all the mitzvahs are. (laughs) But what good does it do somebody to remind them of all the mitzvahs if they don't know all the mitzvahs? So he suggests that it's a good idea for everyone to at least learn through a sefer like mitzvahs Hashem or sefer charet, meaning a, a list at least. At least look through a list of all 613 mitzvahs so you have some concept of what they are. Then it could remind you. He says it's like a shopping list. What good is the notes for the list if you don't know what the things are? Okay, so that, but... Would, you know, in other words, that which is there, but not within sight. So if it's going to remind you of the mitzvos that are, are in there in your mind, but not within sight, well, that works better if there's something in there in your mind to remind you. All right, now this Gemara is a Gemara in Avodah Zarah. Tav Gimel Amad Amar Reish Lakish. Lakish said, Kol Batora Bat It's amazing. <laughs> whoever to- works in Torah at night the vote of the night mm-hmm. God extends out to him a string of chesed by day as it says by day God shall command his chesed upon you and by night and Reish Lakish explained Hadomeh LaLaila it means one who is busy with Torah in Olam Haze, which is like night. HaKadosh Moshe Chesed Olam Haba You know, lest we think that I was pushing this mushal too far. Okay. So the Tsenu Arena, I believe, is connected to this Gemara. Now I don't see that I wrote that it was connected, but okay. But Senor Arena, which is a classic women's summary commentary on the Parsha according to the Medrash, was written in Yiddish originally. And women used to read this. That was kind of their Torah learning for a lot of years, for a lot of women. Gives a mushal. A man falls overboard into the sea. The captain of a ship throws him a rope and says, hang on to it. It'll save you. So what's our attitude about hanging on to the rope? It's kind of reminiscent of what Rav Hirsch said, right? That maybe the reason that there's a degree of optional in the mitzvah of tzitzis is so that a person should feel the need for it and then grab hold of it with love and excitement and thankfulness and gratitude for it. Really, that chut, that string of the tzitzis is the string of chesed Hashem sends down to one who is toiling in the night who keeps working in the night. And this is the string of the captain who throws him a rope and says, hang on, it'll save you. Right now, the guy who's overboard doesn't need tons of encouragement to hold on to the rope. What if it takes a long time to pull him up and his arms are getting tight? He might might say, hang on, hang on, don't let go. Because even though you feel like you're adrift in the ocean, as long as you're holding on to the rope, so did man's soul fall overboard from beneath the kisei ha into this world. Drops down like a line. I don't know what the image is. You know, the way like the spider's web drops, drops down. And God tells us, hold tightly to my commandments and you'll stay alive in this world and in the world to come. This is the meaning of the verse, Hashem chafetz Laman Sidko yagdil torah v'yadir. God desires our righteousness. He wants us to be, uh, you know, righteousness over here could also be like found, found correct in judgment, like that when we're judged, we're found to be the, the righteous party. And so he strengthens Torah and makes it strong. So when we hang on to it, we're holding on to a strong rope. Which means this mashal, which is like a simple mashal, the rope, it goes overboard, and you're hanging on to the rope. But it's really a very deep idea. This is something we, we started talking about really more Purim time with Esther and the, the need to hang on to the shame, to the source of neshama above all else, essentially, is that the tzitzis, and specifically the tzcheles color, right, reminds us of the sea. The sea reminds us of the heavens. The heavens remind us of the kisei hakavod. In other words, this is to remind us where we come from and that we are connected. We are holding tight to a string that connects us all the way up to the kisei ha kavod. So as women, we should probably be making sure that the men around us, as much as possible, we should be saying, would you mind wearing your tzitzis out? There's no reason I can't get that image too from the tzitzis. There's, um, in, in Parshas when Yaakov comes to the place of the Beis HaMikdash, right, and he falls asleep and he has this incredible dream prophecy, this prophetic dream with the, the sulam, the, a ladder with its feet on the ground, the head in the heavens, and the malachim going up and down, and he wakes up and he says, Achein, yesh Hashem ba makom azeh. In truth, God is in this place, Va'anochi and I didn't know. Anochi loyadati. I didn't know. There's another way of reading that. This is not my way, but I don't have a note here of whose it is. I'm sorry. Is Hashem is in this place, Anochi loyadati. But my Anochi, I didn't know. That I hadn't realized. I hadn't realized that over here, this is the place where you can reach straight to Kisei Akavod, in this special place of Harabayas. You also reach my Neshama from here. My neshama is in that place. That kisei a kavod which is where our tefillos get sent, this is where my, my soul is rooted, my anochius, my most spiritual self is rooted here, my neshama. So the lifeline of mitzvos, it's interesting, the tefillin are described as hakana on, on the tefillin, you should put a p'sil t'cheles, meaning the strings, they're sometimes called chutim, strings of tzitzit, sometimes they're called p'til, a p'til is a wick, right? It's a string. The ptila, it's the same word that's the root of tefillah. Okay, this is the string that connects us straight, right? The lifeline of mitzvot is a literal lifeline. It attaches me, it holds me and attaches me to the roots of my soul at the kisei akavod. Now, kind of going back to what Rav Hirsch said, I just want to want to read it again in that light, this, this line here. The tzitzis will help you to raise yourself above the world envisaged by the senses and to dedicate your natural senses to the service of him who is beyond conception and invisible, who set you into the visible world as a reminder of himself through your fulfillment of his word. The mitzvos are the way that we reveal Hashem in this world. It's our presence here, but it's specifically our presence doing mitzvos. We've seen that. There were a few years ago. There was, I think, a couple years ago, we saw in the Parshashir in Orachayim, where he talks about God's name, where the Yud and the Hay at the beginning correspond to the upper levels of the world, the spiritual side of the world, and the Vav and the Hay correspond to the physical side of the world. Levels of the world, the yud and the hey to Torah and the vav and the hey to mitzvos. To the action, the mitzvos. That's the physicalized side of the expression of God into the world. Amalek, right, is yad al Ka, and it's God's name only with the yud and hey because the vav and hey is not fully revealed. Since the time of the Eitzahara entering us. Of the vavheh of mitzvos, which is the physicalized expression that reveals that God is the king of the world, has not been fully realized. Okay. And I think we will close with one more thing. This is um, a little piece from the bit that we did about Amira Ne'ima, we said Vayomar Hashem El Moshele Mor and it was twice with the word Amar as the root, rather than Vayidaber Hashem El Moshele Mor and that this was a pleasant way and we talked about the idea of Amira Ne'ima looking for looking to grow through finding the pleasant um, the pleasant enjoyable part of the mitzvos. Rather than saying, well, I should be doing that, and I should be doing that, and I'm so bad for not doing it, to say, well, I should be doing it. What is it about that that I do relate to? What aspect of this mitzvah does excite me? Is there some way of doing it that would make me feel excited? And, and tuning into that as a way of getting in. Without question, this is from Rav Leichter's book on tshuva. Without question, the search for the Amira Ne'ima in mitzvos can present a difficult and even daunting challenge. However, a special measure of siyata dishmaya, of heavenly assistance, is reserved for those who are engaged in the work of teshuva. The Midrash teaches that Hashem receives bali tshuva through a special tunnel that he digs under his Kise hakavod. We're back to getting up to the Kise hakavod. Yeah? The implication is, by the way, that's an image. That's a very powerful image. You know, comes Yom Kippur time. doesn't only have to be at Yom Kippur, of course, but comes Yom Kippur time. And sometimes there's certain sins where we feel like, how can I do tshuva? Maybe Hashem won't even listen to me on this, right? To have the image that you can dig a hole, you can force your way and create a tunnel to get through is a very, very powerful and useful image. The implication is that a direct and unobstructed path is available to those who are genuinely struggling to return to Hashem. According to some sources, this tunnel is none other than the upper opening of the letter He, described in Tractate Menachos. Okay, so this idea that the letter He corresponds to tshuva, and be, why does the hay, the Gemara says, why does the He have two openings? I'm sorry, I didn't bring this source. So. I know that it's quoted in English in the world of the wisdom of the Hebrew in the book the wisdom of the Hebrew alphabet. All right, why does a hay have two openings? Because there's one that a person may fall out of, but there's always one open that he can climb back in. So he has in this book he he talks about, you know, and why are those two two different openings? Why can't you climb back the one you came in? And he says there's a higher level opening is the one you come in. It's easy to fall out the bottom. It is harder work to climb in, but it's a higher level opening and it's a more meaningful opening when you climb in from the top because this is the opening of Amira Ne'ima, of finding the pleasant aspect of mitzvos. In light of the approach to teshuva that has been outlined in this chapter and through the combining of the two Talmudic passages mentioned above, we can summarize as follows. The prospective bal Teshuva should attempt to enter through the upper opening of the hay, by searching for the Amira Ne'ima, whether through studying the halachos of the mitzvah or by industriously seeking to understand its underlying meaning and significance. In response to our valiant efforts, Hashem will extend a supporting hand. He will help us discover the upper opening, enabling us to connect to the mitzvos and return to the world of Torah. I think it's not so far to say that this is another way of expressing that gemara, that Reish Lakish taught. One who learns Torah in the night, God extends to him a chut shel chesed, a string of chesed, right? Which the tsenu arena kind of vividly painted as a mashal of a person who's fallen overboard into a sea. And the captain extends a rope and says, just hang on to the rope. Okay, so we will. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. This topic will show up again as we go into Pesach, of course, with mitzvot and so on. Are you meeting next week or too close to Pesach? I'm not sure. Hopefully, yes. I would say it's a 90% chance that yes, we'll have Shira next week. <laughs> it's a question of the preparation time, not so much the delivery time. Okay. all right. <laughs> this is this last, last thing that I have on a note in the beginning and then forgot to say. Which is what the importance of this idea as the third paragraph of Shema. Again, like why are we dealing with the avoda of the night over here in the third paragraph of Shema? The avoda of Tzitzis, which is the avoda of the night, which is the avoda of teshuva, right? Which is a different kind of darkness, right? I I feel that I'm in a place of darkness because of my sins. How do I get back to the light? is the place of tzitzis. It's the place of trying to transition out from Purim to Pesach, so to speak. Because if you look at where we are, we started with Ve'ohavtois Hashem Okecha, and that's all light. We love Hashem, and it's, everything's clear. And in Ve'hayayim Shamoa there's a fall. Through the attraction, through the, the abundance of food and the abundance of plenty, we came to forget that we were dependent on God we turns away from him, and God says, here's how you come back. This is a process of tshuva. Here's how you will come back from the sin. And we talked about with tshuva that there are four key steps to tshuva. There's the final step in tshuva, which is not required for Chuva to be perfect, because the main thing in Chuva is changing your will, right, that you want it to be different. But the ultimate chuva really happens when a person is faced with the same test and passes. That is sort of the proof in action that the chuva was complete. And this is really where this avoda of the night comes in. It's the, what can I do to set up for myself so that when push comes to shove, I remember. I remember that which is not at this moment visible. I remember that how I felt in the past, but might not be feeling right now in the present, right? That the purpose of the tzitzis is to help us bring that which is not visible, either in time, or in space, or in light, or in spirituality, and bring a thread of it into something that is right now, so that we can trace that back to its root and know that there's something else beyond that. That is really this aspect of the night. That is the avoda of the night. Right? Where I don't see it, how do I bring the light into the place where it's dark? And of course, as we'll see as this paragraph goes on, all of a sudden this avodav tzitzis turns into Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. It becomes broad daylight. I mean, it's literally the process of getting us back to Revelation. It's right out there. But it's not right there at the beginning of the paragraph. It's right out there as you go along. And this, again, is part of why tzitzis as the source of Yetziah's Mitzrayim every day in Shema? And what is its placement here? And why do we read it even at night, when Sitzes themselves are not of at night? It's really all, they're really all different angle reflections of the same idea.